I see you don't have a lifeguard here at your beach. I'm not at the beach. This is a bathtub. No body of water is safe without a lifeguard. But it's two feet deep, lady. You're, what are you doing here? You can relax. You're safe now. Your lifeguard is here. Okay. Shark in the bathtub? Aren't you glad you had a lifeguard here to save you? I guess. What? Wait a minute. You you should go. There's there's no need for you to be here. I think I should stay, and I think we should have. Ah, you thought I was gonna drop it, you fucking heathens. Yo yo yo, what up? This is your boy Roy. You are listening to Back to Center, the only podcast dedicated to life, love, and the millennial struggle. Today, I got a conversation that's probably more tailored towards the fellas, but ladies, if you want to listen to it, you're more than welcome to as well. We're gonna be talking about porn. I know we're already like halfway into November. It's no fab November. Yo, keep it a buck. I failed like three times already, just full transparency. But we're gonna talk about it. We got a lot to talk about today. On top of that, I need to address my beef with back. Backwoods. Yo, I don't know what the fuck is going on with Backwoods, but the quality of your blunts are just off lately. So we're going to talk about that too. Once again, this is your boy Roy. You're listening to Back to Center Podcast. We'll be back right after the break. Yo. so much for stopping by and listening to this podcast before we begin if you're not following me on instagram feel free to follow me at back to center podcast that's b-a-c-k-t-o-c-e-n-t-e-r-p-o-d-c-a-s-t back to center podcast on instagram if you got any topics you want me to talk about feel free to slide up into my dms send me those conversations and let's get it popping Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. Just wanted to reiterate, you know, support is important. And it's not just a matter of, you know, saying, yeah, you know, I got you, like just mentioning the support, but showing up, following through, and then reciprocating. That's really what support is about. And, you know, honestly, even though I've just started this, I've gotten a lot of listeners so far, and I really appreciate that. So from this very small perspective my little slice of pie, my little stock of the internet on my corner, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, I am very, very thankful for you and each and every one of you that take the time out of your day to listen to this. It certainly means a lot to me because honestly, half the time it feels like I'm just like talking to a wall. But in this case, it's good to know that you have people that are receptive and on the same wavelength as you. You know who I'm not on the fucking same wavelength with though? Backwoods. Let's talk about it. I'm going to light my J real quick. You would think this is live the way I'm doing this, but it's not. So right now, I am smoking a joint. joint. And upon smoking that joint, I hate joints, just for clarification, but upon smoking that joint, I've came to the sudden conclusion that joints just might be better than backwards. And here's my beef, and this is why. 
So the problem with Backwoods, it's had a very long history, very long history of being stout, strong blunts. You open up a pack of Backwoods and you pull out five of those motherfuckers and they're dark as shit. Not a racial undertone, like literally they were really dark and they were dark as shit and they were tough. They were leathery. It was like they went through war. It was insane. These backwoods were like Johnny Cash blunts. That's what I nicknamed them as because when you smoke them, it's like you got punched in the fucking chest. It was awful, but it was really good in case you were trying to get high. However, as of lately, and I don't know if this is due to Corona, there's a short stock on tobacco leaves, but something has been going on and I need to get to the bottom of this. I need someone from the head of Backwoods to reach me and get to me immediately because I'm, I'm upset. I need to know why Backwoods suck now. What's worse about them is that when you open them up and you pull out a pack of five, they're all like extremely light. This isn't a slight against light people, although, you know, ironically, at the same time, there's always like this little rift between uh, dark-skinned black people and light-skinned black people. I don't know, that's just a part of our subculture. I guess I need a part two for uh, last week's episode. But anyway, they're weak, they don't last, when you, when you roll them, there's holes in them. It's just, it's just a terrible system all around. So, Backwoods, if you hear this, I don't know if you ever will, but in case you do, I need you to get your shit together because it's not that I like Jays that I'm smoking them. I mean, I like them now, but dude, quality over quantity. I would rather one really good Backwood that burns nice and slow, really good. You could play some music in the background. I love listening to right now. My top artist is Iman Omari. If you haven't heard his song, check out Trouble by Turmoil, excuse me, by Iman Omari. Also, shout out to my boy Endless Chemistry and his boy Hobbs. They made this track called Bad Intentions all over the streaming platforms. Make sure you go download that. That song is sick. But anyway, yeah, I like to listen, roll up some, roll up some good, some kush while I'm listening to some music. And the blunt really carries that essence. And unfortunately, Backwoods just isn't cutting it. So I gotta be like Bob Marley and the Rastas now and I gotta use Jays. Funny story about that. I remember when I was in uh, Jamaica, I went to Jamaica uh, during the summer of last year. And during that time while I was there, I was on a catamaran, I was like on a little boat. It was like me and my boy, so we were out. We are on this little boat with a bunch of chicks. And when we got to the, the our destination, there was like this little underpass that you can go through. There was a restaurant on top and they had a little, little underpass where the tourist guides were and they were all hanging out. So I didn't necessarily want the touristy experience, so I decided to go and hang out with the Rastas. And then we ended up smoking something called Blem, which is basically just tobacco mixed with, with weed. And honest to God, it knocked me on my ass. I then tried to jump into the Atlantic Ocean. Is it the Atlantic? Nah, I have my oceans all fucked up. Don't think I'm stupid. I'm just stoned right now, please. So I, anyway, I jumped in the ocean, almost fucking drowned, lost the contact, but I was really high. I had a really cool experience with the, with the, can I say indigenous or is that wrong? I don't know. But I had a experience with the people of the country and it was beautiful. It was absolutely amazing. I would go to Jamaica 10 out of 10 again. This time I would probably do like an Airbnb or a hostel if there's uh, if there are those accommodations available in Jamaica. Um, but yeah, I would love to go to Jamaica again. Traveling is super essential, very cool, not only good for the experience, but it's good for your soul too. Alright, so let's get to chatting. Let's talk about something real. 
And what I want to talk about is porn. And specifically so, I want to talk about, I want to create a premise for it though, right? So I'm almost 90% positive a majority of the people my age were introduced to porn when they were like 13, 14. That was the age I was introduced to porn. I remember I was playing Manhunt. And when I was playing Manhunt, I was like, I snuck onto someone's, <laughs> I snuck onto someone's porch while I was, uh, while I was hiding. And while I was, I don't know why I was so fucking nosy when I was younger. I was, I don't know. The curiosity got the best of me. I opened up this person's mailbox and it was like this black and white, small pamphlet style, cartoon style porn. It wasn't like, it wasn't literal cartoon porn. It was just like in a cartoon format. I don't know why, but it was like real photos of, of models into these like little comic segments. And it was the most bizarre thing to me because me as a child, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, this is a comic, but it's got a naked blonde with tits. This is strange. But nonetheless, I was curious. So I dove in, dove in. And then thus you enter into the rabbit hole that is porn. And then I feel like every guy goes through this stage where you try to find this balance between porn and actual dating. Because honest to God, there have been times, I'm going to be completely honest, I would like to consider, I would like to say that I have a pretty good dating life as far as social aspects are concerned when it comes to interacting with women, you know, things of that nature. But I know growing up, I struggled with, damn, should I even go and try to get a date? I could just jerk off. That was my struggle when I was younger growing up. And, you know, I fought that. And thankfully, I have a good balance. But sometimes along the way, you can always falter. For example, I was at my boy's house for, I will not say names, but while I was at his house, it was me and my other boys, and we were on his computer. And while we were on the computer, we, like, stumbled across bestiality. It's none of my business what you like at the end of the day. What you like is what you like. I will never kink shame. I like feet. <laughs> That's just me. But I will never kink shame anyone. But case in point, you know, we found, we found what we found. And, you know, we had like a little roast session. And then we asked him. We were like, yo, do you like genuinely like it? And he was like, not really. I kind of just stumbled onto it as time went on. And that is topic number one. How, how porn changes your brain pattern via changing the gray matter that is in your brain. We'll talk more about that right after this music break. This song is obviously by me, so hopefully you enjoy. And if you do like my music, feel free to send me a DM. I will actually send you a copy of my song for free. Or feel free to hang around when I go ahead and upload new music onto iTunes and all other streaming platforms as well. This is your boy Roy. You are listening to Back to Center. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after the break. So with it, and the clothes you got on is so fitted. If you with it, then baby, let's get it. 
And you know I pull up in a minute Baby so wavy, pull up in Swayze I can go ghost, I get so excited When I see you with no clothes on Come over uninvited I've been plotting on this whole song Wanna see how fast we can go Baby you can ride, don't let go We can go fast, slow, go slow when it's over, I'ma let you know you ain't gotta leave in the AM, AM. You ain't gotta leave in the AM. My body on your body, wetter than tsunami. You ain't gotta leave in the AM, AM. You ain't gotta leave in the AM, AM. It's just us in private. Tell me how you like it. That was Drew Paris AM by yours truly. And this is Back to Center by Richard Roy. So. How does porn turn your brain into mush? Well, the book I want to recommend to you guys is called Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. Now, of course, this podcast, I'm going to do my best to try and give you as much information as possible within a relatively reasonable time frame. Um, But the book certainly does go into more depth and talks more about the neuroplasticity of your brain and how it adapts to watching porn. And those are just some of the things that I feel are A, both the most important and B, the most, uh, what's the word? The most transitional, I guess, if that makes any sense, in regards to how one of these things lead to another, like a domino effect, right? So the first one being porn changes the wiring in your brain, making you store dopamine and slowly lowering your baseline over time. So both humans and animals respond to super stimuli. A good example of this would be robin birds that will favor fake highly colored eggs over their own children, which is crazy. And male jewel beetles will try and copulate with beer tabs because of its shininess in comparison to other females. And ladies, you thought the dude at your local bar was a creep? So how does this relate to humans? Well, Humans have their own form of super stimuli. Now, granted, it falls into a variety of categories, which there are many of. However, the two most prominent one would say would be food and porn. The two best examples of this, in my personal opinion, that I could use from my own experience as well, would be Doritos and porn. Uh, (laughs) So, Doritos. Why would we consider this a super stimuli? Well, primarily because it is the perfect combination of sweets, saltiness, crunchiness, and whatever else they could pack onto this tortilla chip. And upon eating said chip, the second your taste buds make contact with that, you're getting signals to your brain, which is telling you to go ahead and eat more. There's no way in hell that your brain is going to say, oh no, we should go ahead and stop this. No, no chance in hell. Your brain is going to get this signal. It's going to say, this tastes great. I need you to keep eating more of this because we don't know when we're going to get this again. And this is how it starts. This is how the cravings of, of, damn, I just lost the word. This is how the cravings of junk food start over time. One minute you're trying to eat healthy. Next thing you know, all of a sudden you've had one little snack and it's just tapered off onto something more, something bigger. And now you find yourself having a tub of ice cream at like five in the afternoon on a Wednesday for no reason at all, simply because... Uh, I don't know. Fuck it. So now let's put porn into perspective. Porn works the same way. Granted, I'm not exactly sure how porn affects women, but as a man, I can tell you how it affects us. A good example of this would be the fake boobs and the fake butts. I have no qualms against those things. 
Not to say that I'm a huge fan of them. I like my women natural, but I'm not going to lie. A pair of fake boobs do look nice. I mean, who is, who realistically is going to deny a perfectly pair of sculptured breasts? I mean, that's that's like down the line. Any No matter like man or woman can agree on that. But anyway, that's one way porn can go ahead and trigger that super stimuli. Because imagine you're scrolling down this website... You're going through these photos. You're on like page 75 because you're trying to find the perfect one. And once you, boom, you see it. She's got huge knockers. She's got a huge, huge butt. And you find yourself staring at this computer screen, damn near salivating, ready to go ahead and bust off some knuckle children by the gallon, right? So those are some of the ways that super stimuli can affect us. But what happens is, once you've made contact with that super stimuli, and it is now a part of your memory bank, it starts to rewire your brain from a neurological perspective, and now it starts to affirm that this is your new normal. So your body is under the impression that you're having sex with these women, with these voluptuous, buxom supermodels that are like dressed to the nines, and you know they've got all the, all the right body parts. And over time, your brain gets so adjusted to them. When it comes to real-life dating, you, you are not attracted. You're not attracted to this woman at all, and you cannot get hard. Which leads me to my second reason. Porn decreases your dopamine levels, making interpersonal relationships difficult. And to add, over time, those that are prone to depression are far more likely to develop a worse case of, of it over time. Porn has evolved from like... Basic stills from like Playboy magazines to VR porn and silicone pussies. Instead of being an active participant in in what masturbation should be when you think about it, because at least back in the day when you were looking at stills, there was some form of imagery that had to take place. Like you still had to envision yourself as an active user, as an active participant, as opposed to now just being this like weirdo that's staring from a distance, right? Now we've all become cucked voyeurs watching two or more people have sex. And as this becomes your norm, real life interactions become foreign to both you and your body, making you unable to perform. So this is why recent studies show that most millennial men have some degree of erectile dysfunction, which also makes sense as to why girls are cheating left and right, because we can't go on Hulk mode. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's probably one of the main reasons. I mean, if you can't satisfy your partner, over time, this person, I mean, they're only human. You think a woman's really going to say no to every man that hits on her? Like, let's say 100 guys hit on her every day, which is a, a crazy high amount, but let's just play with some big numbers, right? Let's say she gets hit on 100 times, and you as a man are fucking up in all the ways, all of those ways you are fucking up. You don't think she's going to find one dude that she's attracted to that's like really her type that hits on her and she's not going to jump on that? Fam, are you nuts? Of course she is. That's why, for me, I think it's especially important as males to always be on your A-game. Not because it's like a matter of being chauvinistic and being alpha and like trying to prove to others that you're the best, but because you are centered and you are you and like you know what you bring it to your, to the table you know how to satisfy your woman she knows how to reciprocate bro she's not going to go anywhere 
But yeah, if you've got like Slim Jim dick, it's not going to happen. Of course, there's a high chance of her cheating. And you can always go ahead and do your own research. But studies have shown over the years, women are starting to cheat just as much as men. And their reasons for cheating are much more emotional. And the reason why this plays into effect with you having Slim Jim dick is because when she is not being satisfied, it also plays in turn and makes her think that she is not satisfying you, which starts to cause doubts and a rift in a relationship. Yo, there is nothing more embarrassing than having like whiskey dick or something of the sort when you're with someone that you've been intimate with over a long period of time because it becomes a lot more personal. I've experienced this in my own personal life to some degree and I've managed to fix it, but the worst of this case has happened to me when I was in Vegas. This story I've never told anyone, which I'm very happy that I get to say this via podcast because this is a gem, a true gem in my personal opinion. Um, But of course, you know the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Not this story, my friend. Mon ami. So I believe the year was, I'm probably wrong on this, but 2014. I'm definitely wrong on that. Oh no, maybe not because I was 21 and... I don't know. I'm not willing to sit here and do the math and embarrass myself once again. Jesus Christ. Good thing I'm a good thing I'm a handsome face. But anyway, I was 21 at the time and me, my three male friends whose names I will not disclose and a girlfriend of one of the male friends whose name I will also not disclose, we all decided to take a trip and go to Vegas. Uh, so upon this Vegas trip, it was 7 days, 3 days of which were to be spent at EDC Vegas. Um and During that time, you know, that was the first time I've ever been on an airplane. I was never on an airplane. My mom, she's been all over the world. She's been to Turkey, Liberia, Colombia, France, Canada, you name it, she's been there. Never, has never taken me anywhere. Low-key tight about that. I got to talk to her about that after this. Uh, But yeah, that was my first time on an airplane. And I was very, very excited. And ultimately, I did not know what to expect whatsoever. So upon hitting Vegas, I get these like images in my mind of like what's going down like what's gonna happen and I have to be completely honest Vegas completely blew my expectations of what I thought would happen because what I thought would happen happened times 10 and then some and it totally it ruined me I'm going to be completely transparent it ruined me because my idea of what sex is like or sex was like at that time definitely changed because that was around the time where I just had lost a lot of weight and I just started getting more attention from females. So I was figuring how to, how to adjust to that. And, you know, I was still like falling off and getting back on the weight loss wagon here and there. But for the most part, I still kept that confidence as I was transitioning back and forth. So I was like adjusting to women and then going into that experience with having the amount of money that I had, because I was also working at that time, it led me into so many different paths that I can't say were healthy, but the experiences were insane. So this one story in particular tell is a tale about a time I had went to a Vegas brothel. Now, when we had made it to Vegas, I think this was the second night, we had a pool party, but it was a nighttime pool party. I believe it was at Dre's, and we had made, we had snuck our way onto the VIP section where the bungalows were. And while we were overlooking the pool, looking at the balcony, watching the party, it was absolutely fantastic. I turned over to my friend, name I will not disclose, and I asked him, I was like, yo, I've never tried Molly before. What's that like? And he explained to me, and I had said to him, I was like, 
it would be so cool if we were able to get drugs at this moment. And I kid you not, out of nowhere, here comes this Caucasian male in a white t-shirt who looks like, not to be stereotypical, but he looks like the typical dealer of that caliber of drugs. He approached us and he was like, yo, I have party favors if you need them. So I turned to my friend. He turns to me. We go back to the hotel room. We split the money. We pay the dealer. And then we get, a, I believe it was like two Ziploc bags full of pre-rolled J's. And then we had another Ziploc bag full of Molly. That could have got me in trouble. But that was years ago. So feds, if you're listening, it's too late. It's way too late. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, so we had, we had our, our plethora and we were ready to go. Now, upon the night of EDC, this was my very first time ever trying Molly. I had no idea what to expect. And he, my friend gave me the pill. Before he gave me the pill, he gave me the lowdown. He was like, look, expect it to take a while to kick in before anything happens. But once it kicks in, don't freak out. Just be cool. And I was like, yo, I've done hella drugs before. Total lie. I've done hella drugs before. I know exactly what I'm doing. Again, total lie. So I popped this pill, right? Yo, I popped this pill and I'm in Vegas. We're in the middle of, a, I think it was like the Daytona Speedway, Speedway or something like that. But it was like one of those NASCAR, NASCAR joints. So I'm standing there like right in front. There's girls with hula hoops. There's a whole bunch of lights going off. They're doing like that finger dance shit. And my black ass is just standing there like, what the fuck is going on here? I had sunglasses on, so I was tripping. And it wasn't even, it didn't even kick in that hard, right? So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. 20 minutes go by, 25 minutes go by, and I'm starting to feel something, but I have no idea what's going on. So I turn to my friend, I'm like, yo, when is this supposed to kick in? It's been like 30 minutes already. He's like, did you eat before? I was like, yeah. He's like, just give it a little more time. Don't worry. Worst case scenario, if like two hours go by, pop another one. So I was like, all right. So I wait. I wait some more. I wait some more. And then something happened. It was as if my peripheral vision started to close in on me. And upon the peripheral vision started to close, lights started to get brighter, and my field of vision in regards to its depth, not the width, started to get much deeper and more vivid. I started to feel like I was floating, but I was standing. I was running, but I was sitting. And I was laying down when really I was standing again. And my body just started to reverberate this feeling of these intense emotions and next thing you know i was tripping balls dude like i was tripping probably the hardest i've ever tripped at this point now in my personal life i've experimented with a couple of things i work for myself self-employed don't really not really concerned about having a drug test or anything like that because again i make my own money so i'm not really worried about that but up until that point this point that molly that i took Dude, I was, I was out of this world. And side note, I'm not condemning nor condoning doing drugs and drug experiments. But what I can say is every human at some point will have to make some decisions on their own. And the only thing I can say in regards to that is, A, 
don't take my advice, but B, whatever you're gonna do, do some research and don't sue me because I know people like to try and do that. So once again, I am not, I'm not like your advisor. I'm not a, a drug shaman, none of those things. Just a dude who likes to, you know, microdose and paint. So <laughs> take my advice, do your own research and come to your own decision. Um, but anywho, that night was the start of the best and worst time of my life because that night was great. But the following morning, my friend, the following morning, I have a story for you. Another one, again. It's a story and a story, it's inception. So that following morning, I wake up from this bender, this Molly bender. I think I popped another two that night. The party didn't stop until probably around, I'd say like four or 5 a.m. I wake up, turn to my friend. I look at him, I say, yo, wake and be, and then let's get breakfast. He was like, I'm down. Do the toiletries, do the morning ritual, come back to life, drink like two, three sips of water. <laughs> Have a whole lot of alcohol for some reason though. And then wake and bake, Jamaican shower in the bathtub, well, in the bathroom. And then we make our way to get breakfast. Here I am with sunglasses at 9.30 in the morning, still ripping mollies, still off that bender because I didn't really go to bed. I only took a nap for about like an hour or so. And then it was right back at it. So during breakfast, I get this weird idea. And I had remembered talking about this before we had come to Vegas, but I had forgot because of all the events we had coming up. But at this point now, I had some time to collect my thoughts. I was totally blown away because mind you, this is my first time on an airplane. First time being away, miles away from family, so really there was no sort of like guilt holding me back to do anything. I didn't feel any like familial shame if I had did something wrong. It was just, this was my time to experience life the way I wanted to experience it. So, my friend looks at me, I almost gave his name up. Damn, he would've been so mad at me if I did that. Oof, good thing I didn't. Oh, I almost did it again. <laughs> so, he turns to me. And he says, yo, have you been thinking about the brothels in Vegas? I look to him and I look at him and I go, uh, yeah, actually I have in total, in total agreement with him. Me and him were both on the same wavelength that whole entire trip. So we looked it up. We found, we found a brothel. I believe the brothel's name is Bunny Ranch. I don't have it in front of me as the time of this recording. Um, but yeah, I believe it was called the Bunny Ranch. Hey, if you ever go to Vegas and you know, you want to experience something interesting, fuck it, man, you only got one life, you know? Um, so yeah, upon going there, however, it was A, I have to say, really commendable to the way the setup was because before anything, you had a chance to look Right? which sounds a little objective but this also pray this also goes into what i was saying before about how your neurons are basically fried after watching porn so of course this brothel had a bunch of porn stars obviously i mean it's a brothel what else do you expect and this is where my brain started firing off off its rocker remind you at, at this time i'm young i'm still growing i'm still adjusting to women and even though, you know, I might have had some sort of interaction with females when I was younger, but the real big league stuff that we talk about day in, day out nowadays, I was just getting acquainted to when I was younger. 
So when I seen my my choice, <laughs> her name was first of all beautiful Latina woman uh, with the most interesting name, Poppy Love. Yes, you heard that correct. Her name was Poppy Love. <laughs> Again, not necessarily very interested in the name. For for all I care, her name could have been fucking Paco at the time. It wouldn't have mattered to me because she was hot. She had all the right assets and all all the right areas. And my young reptilian brain was firing like it never fired before. It was, my brain was hot. And I was insanely excited to have this opportunity. So we dialed it up. I looked up the price. Um, I believe in total it was about eight. I might be slightly exaggerating here. Don't quote me exactly, but hey, if you've gone, tell me the numbers again. Um, but I believe I spent about $800 to $1,000. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That, when after I did that, I had a, a long mental talk with myself. I was like, yo, you spent nearly $1,000 on some poontang. Granted, it was an experience with like something you wouldn't normally run into on a day-to-day occurrence. But nevertheless, you spent nearly $1,000 on some poontang. I mean, look, from a man's perspective, we're going to pay for it no matter what. Whether this comes in the form of dinner dates, back rubs, or like, I don't know, some of my friends like to babysit chicks, kids, you know, <laughs> it's like a barter system. I have no idea, but that's just what it is. You're going to pay for it in some form or fashion. It does not matter. But for me, to have gone that far, to have paid for it, my only saving grace was that it was in Vegas. Because if that was like at some point in New York, I would have felt disgusted with myself. I would have questioned where has my life gone for me to have decided to do that at this age. But anyway, I was in Vegas, I was wild, and I was bent off the mollies, so I did it. It was whatever. So I picked Poppy Love. In came this Escalade, picked up me and my boy, and off we went. We went on to, I believe it was like a 10 to 12 mile ride, all the way through Red Rock Canyon, absolutely beautiful. Upon entering the car, you are greeted by a very nice chauffeur. There are water and drinks waiting for you in the car, and you are allowed to smoke. I love cigars, so I was smoking cigars that whole vacation, and I definitely had one on my way to the brothel. Now the brothel once you get in first of all you're gonna sign off on a couple papers right papers such as like health and things of that nature because at the end of the day this is still a business it's not like grant the photo where you can just pull up and be like I want you and then all of a sudden just <laughs> you know have at it like you had to go through a process so you had the paperwork uh, during that time once you're filling while you're filling everything out you get an opportunity to kind of take a look around and see what's going on now the brothel that we went to you it's kind of like a if you can imagine like a sims simulated event it's it, and in some ways it's actually kind of weird because part of me was thinking well we all know what we're here for like let's just go ahead and get this over with but i understand the premise of wanting to create the aura of like this is a actual functioning bar with just casual everyday women i get that premise so anyway after filling out 
the paperwork, you are offered a drink. My drink of choice that day, I believe, was a Long Island iced tea, which is going to be telling to what happens as you listen on. You'll find out. And I had, I believe I had two to three Long Island iced teas. That was my second nail in the coffin, but outside of the molly that I had popped that morning. I was, I'm telling you, man, I was bugging. I was wilding out of control. Whatever I was thinking was, <laughs> it was absolutely wrong. So I had, I met Poppy Love because I had seen her on the website. So I knew what she looked like. I had my eyes out, I was waiting for her. And she pulled up on me and I looked at her and I was like, you're Poppy Love. And she was like, yes I am. What is your name? We had our, we exchanged pleasantries. And I had made my way to her corridors, right? To her chambers. <laughs> so upon entering her room, she gave me her house rules totally understood protection at all times which i salute i respect because that's something i was worried about too i was not trying to get fried at such a young age i mean i'm just a young bull out here in these streets where it's a future <laughs> so i definitely wanted to make sure i was still able to thrash and slash while i was still you know in my prime and i'm still in my prime but just case in point i wanted to make sure i was safe so she gave me her house rules and from that point we, we were off we were, we were doing the thing and here's what no one told me about molly molly affects you in one of two ways you either a get the steel johnson of like superman and you go on absolute hulk mode and you destroy everything in your path or b you get gummy worm dick do you know which one i got yeah i got gummy worm dick my john was so flimsy that day you could have rolled it up like a fruit roll up and packed it up i was trying absolutely anything and everything i could to wake up my friend but alas it just wasn't gonna happen and the most embarrassing part of it all was that for 30 minutes i had tried to bring him back to life for 30 minutes she had tried to bring him back to life for 30 minutes and at the last five minutes because you know this stuff is time at the last five minutes of it he finally decided that it was time to perform and as i was making my way he died again probably one of the most pitiful performances of my life definitely going to be the last pitiful performance of my life and i'm thankful for that experience because it showed me a lot of things a ripping a bunch of mollies back to back to back to back day by day and partying every day is not the way to live that is not a healthy lifestyle and if you are doing that right now i mean i'm not your parent but take it from someone who did it for like a week and never did it again it's not ideal because you feel like shit you're depressed and the dopamine levels in your brain are absolutely fried Another important reason why I'm glad I had this experience was because that showed me in real time exactly what it's like to be in that kind of lifestyle and in that kind of world where porn and lewdness kind of run rampant. This isn't a knock on those people because you never know exactly why people do the things that they do. And I believe everyone has a chance in their lifetime to explain their side of the story. So I cannot pass judgment on anyone, especially as someone who was a partaker of it. Like, how can I look condemning someone in that lifestyle when I literally was there a couple years ago, $1,000 deep, trying to get some poontang from Poppy Love? I would be the ultimate hypocrite, so I cannot step within those boundaries. However, what I can say is, 
at some point you kind of feel lost. Like you feel like sex is no longer what sex is supposed to be, or at least what it was previously marketed as. I always had the the notion that, well, when I was growing up, I had the notion that sex was something, quote unquote, sanctimonious, whereas you had two people, and this is regardless of genders, but you had two people who were genuinely involved with one another and wanted to be with one another and decided that that was an act that they both would willingly partake in. However, growing up, I felt like sex was more of the thing where, you know, you just kind of do it. You know that song, um, You and Me Baby, Ain't Nothing But Mammal, so let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel? Google those lyrics. If you don't know the song I'm talking about, Google those lyrics. The song is hilarious. But it's also very true. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just mammals. Like, we just fuck. But the problem is, when you have this super stimuli, it gives you false perceptions of what sex actually is. Like... At some point in my sexual career, and Grant, side note, she was totally okay with this, but I was putting my foot on some females' heads. Granted, some females like it, that, and that's just personal choice. But the only reason why I even thought to do that was because I was watching porn. And what's crazier than that is that at that point when I was watching something like that, I thought that was hardcore. Now, for me, if a girl's like, step on my head, I will gladly curb stomp you. I don't give a fuck. But that wasn't my character when I was young. I morphed. Porn and the the norms of being very lewd with porn, with sex in general and just being, I, in my opinion, maybe too open about it, morphed my ideology about sex. It morphed the way I treated women and it morphed the way I had interactions with everyday human beings because... Even in those moments where, yeah, you are, you are watching porn, you just busted off some knuckle children, and maybe you are going on a date, you have just lessened the chance of having a true connection with someone because of that. Like, you gave all your attraction and that intentiveness to a computer screen. And because of that, you now have to face the reality of, you know what, maybe this is now to the point where porn is really playing a bigger role in my life than it should. And it affects my everyday life and how I interact with people. And that goes for everybody, male or female. I mean, if you're constantly watching porn and you find yourself more attentive and more more alive when you're watching like what gets your rocks off, then there, yes, then there is an issue because what happens is you start to spend so much time in isolation and then, you know, from that point, you're just off in the deep end. Like the devil's playground is definitely an idle mind. And when you spend so much time alone, you're constantly busting off some knuckle children or if you're female, maybe you're constantly DJing, you know, you're flicking the bean. And over time, that fries your dopamine levels. It fries your dopamine levels. It makes regular sex foreign to you and then it makes you desensitized to actual human connection. And then all you're left with is just a computer screen or a phone or a TV <laughs> or whatever <laughs> muse you use to watch porn. However you get it, that's pretty much all you're left with. I'm not saying completely step away from porn, 
but I think we can find healthy mediums between these outlets, which in the long run will help everybody. Better relationships starts with with us, and we need to have a good relationship with our psyche in order to be able to have good relationships with other people. So if I had to say the silver lining in this case, or better yet, what is something we can do in order to improve our addictions, whether that be porn, whether that be food, or anything that is hindering your progress from really just becoming the best person you can be, I would say would be small degrees of detachment. You can't really expect someone to quit cold turkey. This is something I've learned from personal training. Over years of training clients, you can't necessarily expect people to quit cold turkey. However, you can recommend that they lower the dosage over time. I know that may sound counterintuitive because in the long run, you're still prolonging the idea of of it. But if you think in a further aspect, the fact that you're decreasing the time over time means one thing. Eventually, it's going to hit zero. And by the time it hits zero, you have now been so conditioned to not needing to watch porn that you don't even get involved with it. And now imagine what that does for the amount of time that you get back. And imagine what that does for your social life and now interacting with the opposite sex. Now you're having these kind of connections that are giving you that stimuli, but the best part is you are a part of the action. Don't live your life to just be a voyeur. That's whack. That's whack. Watching other people fuck is whack. If anything, I'm trying to fuck. I fell off like three times this month watching porn, but thankfully I could say for the last two weeks, I have not been watching porn at all. I'm barely on social media anymore. And the best part about it is I have this clarity and I have so much time to myself to be able to create and find other outlets that really benefit me in net positive ways as opposed to net negative. Think about every action you do in this kind of format. For everything you do, it will net you one positive or one negative action, which will then set the course for another positive or negative action. Obviously, this is a ripple effect. So in this case, what happens is if you do one positive thing, that motivates you to do the next positive thing. If you do something negative, that will, of course, cause you to be more likely to fall into the habit of doing more negative things. So at the end of the day... We really want to focus on doing the things that, at the end of the day, (laughs) to say it twice, that will give us the best and most positive, most positive returns. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, that's what we want, right? We don't want to live our life viewing it from the outside. We want to be active participants of our life. Don't be a voyeur of your own life. Jump in that first-person role and, and do it yourself become that person. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's about that time. Here at Back to Center, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Hopefully this conversation was rather enlightening for you guys and really showed you not necessarily what you're doing wrong, but how easy it is to become susceptible to these super stimulus that we're not aware of. And it's my hope that we can be more cognizant of it over time in an effort to be able to mitigate our addictions, right? So that's just something I think we all can, you know, benefit from. 
This Thursday is Thanksgiving, and obviously at this point, we all know what we're gonna eat. We know our favorites. We know what's gonna be on that table. That sweet potato, sweet potato pie, with that chicken and that turkey. Look, the point I'm trying to make here is, obviously we're all trying to watch our shape. We're trying to stay in shape, trying to stay healthy, but the holidays are around. So next episode, next week, we're gonna talk about how you can eat whatever the fuck you want without gaining any weight over the holidays. Yes, you're gonna have to do some form of exercise, but the advantage here is you'll have a good strategy as to how to be able to map out your diet for whatever scenario, no matter what. Stay tuned. Please make sure you stop by for that one because it's definitely important for everyone. Once again, this is your boy Roy. You've been listening to Back to Center. Until next time, homies, au revoir. MTCB.